Lectionary Lab Live is recorded by Two Bubbas and a Bible live from Gainesville, Florida and Brasstown, North Carolina. Welcome everybody to the Lectionary Lab Live. I'm John Fairless. I'm here with my Bubba, Delmer Chilton. Say hey, Bubba. Hey, Bubba. Hey, man. Good to see you today. Happy new liturgical year as we kick off the coverage of year B in uh, Advent. And um, just looking forward to it, uh, as I pretty generally do. Why don't, oh, I guess I'll let everybody know these are the texts for the first Sunday in Advent in year B, December the 3rd, 2023. Why don't you tell us what you got on the mind today, Bubba? Set the stage a little bit, and we're ready to get going. Well, uh, one of the things I want to do is we lead in to the season of Advent, talk about a little big picture of Advent. Right, got to do it. And one of the things you got to do is figure out what you're going to do with this crazy calendar this year, in which you have, I'm going to say the last thing first, December yeah. 24th is both the the fourth Sunday. Sunday in Advent and Christmas Eve, and you got to figure out what you're going to do. I got a call from pastor of a Lutheran church not far away that uh, I go to relatively frequently when I have not anything else to do, as it were. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he called and said, "Would you preach on the morning of December 24th?" So I'm going to preach Christmas Eve that night, and uh, mm-hmm. and you can do four Advent that morning. And I said, "Do you think anybody's going to come to both services?" <laughs> <laughs> it's a small is, it's a small congregation as well but i you know his plan, it's a real issue really yeah issue. and uh, so we'll see we'll see he and i are going to mm-hmm. talk about uh you know whether i'll be doing the fourth sunday in advent that morning or whether i'll be doing a christmas eve serving that morning i'm not going to tell you what to do i'm just say look at the yeah. calendar now if you haven't already and know that well and it's just a good point uh generally speaking of particularly in a season like this where the Sundays, you know, kind of go together. Um, where do you want to, where are you headed? Where do you yeah. want to end up? Yeah. What's going to happen at the end? And then kind of thinking your way back so that you've got the end in mind from the very beginning, <laughs> as it were. I talked to a friend of mine. I'm not, I'm not going to say that he is lazy. I'm going to say he he protects his energy well. He said, <laughs> I only have to preach twice in Advent. I said, what are you talking about? He said, well, the third Sunday is always the choir cantata. (laughs) In the morning of Christmas Eve, we will have the children's pageant. And that night, you know, I just read the story and sing (laughs) Christmas carols. There's no need to preach. He said, I'm not going to preach until the 1st of January after December 10. I said, you ain't worth shooting. And if that fits your parish, you know, go, go for right it. Ahead. Go for but, it. Um, but, uh, anyway, get on to the point of Advent here. So, um, I don't want to go too far in the brief history, but the important thing to know about the history is it was a lead up to a period of uh, baptisms in, at the Epiphany, and so it became a little lent in terms of being a catechetical instruction period, which also led to it being a period of, of um, <coughs> penitence and preparation, you know, in the medieval right. terms. And so this is one reason um, that it, it kind of has this 
double nature. It can't decide sometimes whether it's a season of penitence or a time of hope or mm-hmm. both. And uh, penit- I guess penitence is a sign of hope. Uh, if there is no hope, hmm. why, why, why repent? You know, yeah. <laughs> There's no reason. You know, it's um, so. But be aware that some of this tension still persists. Um, blue or pur- blue or purple <laughs> on the color scheme. Yeah. Purple lends itself to uh, a penitence of Lent, and and uh, blue is a bit more hopeful color. Now you could, yeah. as I've heard. Um, you could mix your red and green pairings yeah, yeah. in during this, but <laughs> we won't go there. And, we won't go there. And no. the third Sunday is the Gaudete <laughs> Rejoice Sunday, but it's also the gospel lessons, always John the Baptist, which is mm-hmm. that that uh, repent. So just be aware of that tension and figure out where you're going to go with that that mix, because the lessons are going to have that mix of yeah. of penitence and things. I've always found Bernard of Clairvaux's discussion of the ways in which Christ comes uh in ad uh, you know on the coming and particularly in the season of advent mm-hmm. that each sunday we are referencing three different comings he says in everyone's heart and in, in the in this season we are thinking of the coming in the flesh at bethlehem we can't avoid it you know, you can't cut it off for right. these other things the way the texts do. So people are thinking, so you need reference to Christ coming into flesh at Bethlehem. Christ comes in our hearts daily, Bernard says. You know, we're always thinking about where is Christ with me now. We're not, oh, well, there's no Christ till December 25th. You know, yeah. Christ comes <laughs> daily. And yeah. then we're focusing also on the second coming, Christ coming in future glory. So as we think about each of these texts in, in terms of Advent, we think of these different ways that Christ comes to us, God comes to us, mm-hmm. as as we reflect on it. Yeah. Uh, and, and I found that helpful in, in thinking of sermons. Which part of the coming is this text focusing on today? Yeah. That tension between penitence and hope that you started with, I Right on. That's yeah. that is. That's where this season has come from. For me, that kind of meets in another word, preparation, yeah. right, which ties yeah. into the waiting and preparing. And then what you just said, uh, we know that literally we're not waiting for the coming of a babe in a manger. We use that story. We use that image. It guides us as uh, remembering and celebrating and preparing for God with us and. We are waiting and preparing for the coming of Christ again. Something that's kind of easy for us to forget. We, uh, in the more uh, mainline or liturgical, you know, uh, tradition, say, well, that's all the business of the crazy people with the rapture and the end times and all of that. I'm not going to fool with that. Uh, be careful. Be yeah. careful. How do we prepare? And as we go, I'll be honest, I'm, I'm not going to say a whole lot today. We're just going to run with the flow. I am thinking with my congregation this year, I'm actually going to do something I've never done before, and that's center on the epistle texts, yeah. which during this season are primarily tilted towards being prepared for right. this day of the Lord, the coming of the Lord, et cetera, et cetera, and say, 
okay, well, how are we supposed to act while we wait? Well, and I so, think with Bernard, that would come. That would be yeah. his second emphasis. How That's it. In our hearts daily. That's it. How does Christ come to us daily? And how do these texts and this anticipation oh, yeah. of this Christmas Day help us with our, our Christian yeah. living? That's it. I'm liking Bernard. That's yeah. good wisdom. So uh, the flow of the Sundays for the for the lectionary, and it, it's just good to keep an overview, is to know every year, A, B, and C, the flow of the Sundays is the first Sunday is a, somewhat apocalyptic, end times and destruction and those issues. <clears throat> the second Sunday, uh, this year the 10th, will be prophecy or the promise of a Messiah. The third Sunday is kind of the proclamation saying, the Messiah's here, look around. And the fourth Sunday uh, is is the Annunciation gospel lesson, and it's surprise. It's not what you think. It's a baby. (laughs) Hello. (laughs) That's why I think the Annunciation is so important. That's the discussion we're going to be having on that morning of the. For what do I do on the morning of the twenty fourth? You know, do we say we've been anticipating? But guess what? It's not this warrior. It's not all these things you might have thought. It's this baby. Fulja. Fulja. No. <laughs> well, it's this baby, and no, then you surprise. have to rethink what does it mean for Christ to come to us. So yeah. let's look at Advent 1, which the focus of the day is apocalyptic and find it really is a, a focus on the coming or the second coming kind of thing that sometimes comes up. But it, it does raise questions. What does this have to do as it relates to Christ coming in Bethlehem in the flesh? And what does it have to do with Christ coming to our lives every day? So um, the the themes of the day are kind of, first of all, mystery and unknownness um, as we look forward to this day. We don't know when it's going to be, and we're not sure what's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> Isaiah 64.3, we did not expect, you know, 1 Corinthians 1.7, this will be a revealing. If something's revealed, it means you didn't know what was there. It's like the masked singer taking off the, the mask, mm-hmm. you know. Who mm-hmm. is this? And Mark 3, no one knows the time. Thirty. Uh, Mark, I'm sorry, 13. 32 and 33 verses 32. Mm-hmm. You don't know mm-hmm. the time. So there's all this mystery around it. And how do we deal with the mystery is the question. If we live forward each day. The other thing is whenever it happens, the focus is on the God who comes. Every one of these texts has a focus on we are a people who believes and trust that our God will come to us. Mm-hmm. We don't have to go find God. God comes to us. God doesn't sit back, as we might say, like an idol or some other, form, you know, up on a mountain sits back and waits and observes and watches and judges. Right. This we have what there is that judgment, but there is the God who comes and interferes and engages and rescues and heals and strengthens and intervenes. And this is the most important focus for both traditions, Judeo Christian tradition, because we use these Hebrew scripture texts and we see ourselves as an understand our who we are as Christians is shaped by who the Jewish people were and still are. We are we are shaped by that anticipation that of a God who comes and rescues, forgives, judges, all those things. Everything we talk about is rooted in that expression, and it is a God who comes to restore, to strengthen, to gather, right, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So it is. It is the 
It's the theme that's as old as creation. It's the yeah. theme that runs throughout the entire Bible. There's wholeness, that yeah. image in creation. There's interruption. Yeah. You can use lots of words for that, uh, fall, etc. There is healing through God's presence. Yeah. God comes. God comes to us, always has. And then there's this wholeness renewed. Yeah. That's that's the story, folks. It's and, been, been told over and, and over and over, and over again. again. Now, here it is. Uh, preparing for Christmas, yeah. As Will Willimon frequently told us, people do not need to be told something new about God. They need to be reminded of who God is and who they are because we have a tendency yet. Mm -hmm. So Psalm (laughs) Isaiah Isaiah 64 and Psalm 80 both are communal laments by a believing community plus a prayer for God to come in saving power. That's the shape of both of those texts. Um, Isaiah is written in the 55, verses 55 through 66, what we sometimes call third Isaiah, was written in the exilic period toward the end of exile or the beginning of the return. Uh, it is a, written from and to a community suffering. They are suffering physically, they're suffering economically, they're suffering politically, they're suffering emotionally, they're suffering spiritually. Does any of that ring true to 2023? <laughs> oh, it's like Isaiah just was written for today. Uh, we hmm. They sit and struggle to understand why is this happening to us? For the last t- almost 20 years, most of my work has been in consulting with churches, most of small membership, most and most in rural and small town and uh, or old downtown churches, churches in decline in multitudinous denom- lot denominations, a lot in ELCA, but also other mainland. And the question I get over and over is, what do we do wrong? Yeah. What's wrong? Why? What we're doing? What we're supposed to do? Why are we in this case? That's the community of, of, that, of exile that's saying, we've been trying to be faithful, and, and we're suffering. suffering. And that's the church and then the culture, the, mm-hmm. the suffering physically, um, uh, economically, politically, emotionally. I mean, I, I was um, reading something the other day. They were talking about the, 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 the anger and the lack of civility is just big growing by leaps and bounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, have a, mm-hmm. I have a sister-in-law who is a flight attendant, and she says, I've been, on, I've been doing this for 30 years, and we have more trouble with people just rude, mean, aggressive. And, and she said, it's, it's getting frightening at times, that yeah. the, the lack. And, and what's going on, I think, is a people who are, are scared. That's yeah. the way people act when they're scared. So this is the community Isaiah is preaching to. We are increasingly, uh, you and I are prone to show our age yeah. in, in our commentary. <laughs> well, uh, I, I, Sometimes I still think of a book like Resident Aliens by Stanley Hauerwas and Will yeah. Willimon as a, as a new book. I know it's been around a while, but the... 
you know, that whole basic thrust that we increasingly are living in a world that's just strange to us. Yeah. If if we are seeking to live the gospel, live the Christ life, etc., New York Times today I was reading the latest uh, research on Gen Z, those yeah. under 30 years of age, and now being called the Zoomers, yeah. uh, to contrast with us Boomers. But even the differences in millennials, the the, the rising of this whole idea of none yeah. in terms of religious, not atheists, not agnostic, just none, religion, eh, just doesn't matter that much. Yep. But it's up to like 40%. Yeah. So we are increasingly <laughs> resident in an alien culture. Not, and that's not the first time this happened for the no. church, right? Or God's people. You read Isaiah. And the question, as you look at this text, and you're trying to proclaim to one of those, to your community, or one of the, mm-hmm. a community that in various mm-hmm. ways is asking these questions and is yeah. hurting. What does Isaiah have to say? Well, Isaiah's text focuses on Israel's sense of sinfulness and alienation plus a plea for help. Uh, Verses 1 through 4, please come with power to restore us. Oh, that you would do so and so and so and so. Oh, that you would do this. And then it it moves through this, oh, come do power. You you have the power to shake. You know, it refers to the creation and that power. Do something for us. Yeah. And then it, it, it launches in 5 through 7, saying, yeah, yeah, we, we you'll gladly do right. I, I know we were bad. And it sort of slips in the, this blame to God. Because you hid yourself, we sinned. Yeah. <laughs> we, we didn't know you were around. We, we looked around, <laughs> couldn't find you. Couldn't find God. God's not watching. Let's do what we want to do. I, you know, it's kind of funny, but and there's, and then it has all these images of uncleanness and those who aren't holy, and so of course you've rejected us. And but we're going to call on your name anyway. And then it comes to this yet. I love that yet. That's almost as good as but. You know, I love homiletical mm-hmm. buts. Well, here's mm-hmm. a yet. So you've established we're bad people. We messed up. And then you say, yet, God, don't, don't, don't forget, you're our father. You can leap from, you're our father, to the last line of nine, we are your people. And then in, in, people. in the middle, it says, we, we're, we're clay and you're the potter. We, we're the work of your hands. We're your creation. Don't abandon us. Remember your connection. Help mm-hmm. us as we proclaim. This text today, if you pro, uh, on Advent one, you're saying it looks bad, but God, we call on God to remember and ourselves to remember who God is, and that we are yeah. God's people, and God loves us, and God will come and has the power to restore. It's that question of holding on to the faith in the midst of a time of dire circumstances. Yeah. It is a well well used uh, and uh, time time honored in the Hebrew t- writers, especially prophets. And Moses was big on this, remembering who we are, but calling on God to remember, yeah. bringing in the character of God. Lord, we know you've been angry. We know we've done what's wrong. But remember, you are. A heavenly parent, you love us like a mother, like a father. Yeah, we know you could take us off the uh, the spinning wheel of the potter, and you could throw us on the slag heap. You yeah. could slap us around. You could do whatever, but please. <laughs> 
don't be, we laugh about this. I know we did at our retreat earlier yeah. this fall, that last verse. Don't be exceedingly angry. <laughs> just just maybe take some of that back a little bit. Tone it back. We're, Bring it back we're, down. We're your people. But yeah. it's that, it is that remembrance. Yeah. We are called to remember, and we are, I guess, counting on, calling on the remembrance of God. Well, I, I think just, um, uh, well, I'm trying to say homiletically, but I think rhetorically, the mm-hmm. use of saying things like, oh, God, remember we are the, your people and you mm-hmm. are the clay is aimed at the people to remember who, that God is a God of grace and we can hold That's on it. and trust. Uh, okay. The psalm uh, is a cry of distress, a plea for redemption and restoration. I think verse 2 is probably... Uh, of this psalm is the theme for all of Advent. If if I still had a congregation and a ch- control of a church bulletin, I might put Psalm 80 verse uh, to the last half on the bulletin every week as the theme of Advent. Stir up your might and come to save us. <laughs> That's the theme of Advent. Stir up mm-hmm. your might and come to save us. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the other thing about this psalm is it has these three verses that are the identical, and they are great refrain, refrain, yeah. great refrain. Great and, refrain. And in reading it, rather than doing half verses or whole verses or something, you might have, uh, if you do liturgical reading of the psalm, you might have the lector read you know, verse like one and two, and then the congregation, restore us, O God, let your face shine that we may be saved. Or you might build it as a refrain after every verse. You know, it's just it's just so beautiful. Three, seven, and 19, it is a restore, yeah. redeem, fix us, let your face shine that great we may prayer. be saved. It's a great prayer. And it, it ties so de- deeply into what Isaiah was getting at, which is, we're in trouble. <laughs> Come and save we're, us. And we're we, in some deep kimchi here, God. We, we and we believe that you bad. will. We believe yeah, that you will. So that's it. It's a call of faith. Yeah. First Corinthians, and I know you're focusing on these texts mm-hmm. for yourself mm-hmm. this time. I want to do a few mm-hmm. words about this text. Please do. Um, it's 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 uh, follows follows the usual Pauline epistle form of greeting and prayer, and always, particularly the prayer, is kind of a table of contents, a kind of, this is what I'm going to tell you, you know, the old sermon outline, tell them what you're going to tell them, mm-hmm, tell them, and tell mm-hmm. them what you told them. Well, he's, in this prayer, he tells them what he's going to tell them in the rest of the letter. Of course. And the situation in Corinth is one of dysfunction, uh, a disagreement between Newer, weaker believers and older, and I would call them smug members. Mm-hmm. And some of the the younger. I thought you. I thought you might call them something else. Yeah, well, I would. Well, that's not the... a, not on the radio. Radio, as my <laughs> daddy would say. <laughs> I might call them something else if I weren't broadcasting. Anyhow, yeah. um, the 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 issues that that come up for the younger mm-hmm. members is they start questioning their faith as the smugger members i'm going to say we're saying mm-hmm. well you're not as well spiritually developed as i am and those of us <laughs> who've spent a great deal of time in the scriptures are well aware of this and it's not something to where you're you'll 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 get there just stay the you know this sort of thing and they're beginning to question a lot of things and the focus comes down on a, on a kind of a question of 
am I as much a Christian as the kind as these other folks? And what about the second coming? Will I be prepared when Jesus comes? And his reassurance is that uh, you know, in every way you've been enriched in him, you know, to say mm-hmm. God's done done this. As my mom I done done it. I done done it. And Christ has done done it. Uh, you've been strengthened. You're not lacking of anything as you wait. And he will. And then there's an assurance. He'll strengthen you to the end. You know, uh, you'll be fine. You know, God will continue to work with you so that you will be blameless. Now, some people have heard this: blameless. My goodness, how do you, you know, how do you get there? That's not what he's saying. What he's saying yeah. is, you have nothing to worry about. You are in Christ. Christ will provide. God will provide if you just stay the course, stay with it. He has called you. He has already strengthened you and will continue to strengthen you throughout your life. That's it. That's the promise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Paul is acknowledging that's a gifted church, but setting them up to say, you know, you, you, here's how the grace of God's been playing out. You've got these gifts. You've got this. And then uses a word that you may want to pay attention to, pastors, as we continue through Advent. It's not the last time we're going to see the word blameless. And it ought to prick our ears a little bit. Wait, blameless? What? God's going to make us perfect? God's not going to blame us for anything? Uh, Well, yes, I can feel superior. See, I've been made blameless. Or the, the other extreme. Well, I can live however I want to. God's not going to blame me for anything. And I don't think that's what's going on here. And so even if you're not focusing on these epistles, readings, but they're going to be read, that word blameless, I think it comes up in some form pretty much every week. And I would encourage us to do a little work on that. What is going on that as we prepare, as we live, uh, and we wait on the day of our Lord, what is this blamelessness that God is doing to us? That's all I want to say about yeah. it today. We'll keep talking right. about it. It's going to come up again. It is. So we go to Mark 13, this little apocalypse. And remember, this is the apocalyptic Sunday. And um, remember, we are worshiping, we worship a, a God who comes. And the tradition out of which Jesus spoke and the early believers were hearing this was one that was had within it a tradition of God coming in the form of a Messiah, sometimes referred to as the Son of Man. This is this intertestamental period had a great deal of literature along that ways, and there was a lot in the Hebrew scriptures itself. So Jesus isn't speaking this into a vacuum. This is a right. context in which people heard a lot of this, and he was referring to the Messiah coming in both judgment and redemption. Uh, there's a great line I love um, from the, I think it's much ado about nothing. I think it's maybe act four. Uh, you'd have to look through it. Dogberry the sheriff, who is full of spoonerisms. He always says everything mm-hmm. backwards. He's the right. comic figure. Uh, I particularly like Michael Keaton as uh, Dogberry <laughs> in a film version of much. You can imagine this, much ado about nothing. And he has these re- miscreants he has that he's brought before him. And he says, I condemn you to eternal redemption. <laughs> he's trying. 
Eternal redemption. Well, there's an element. I keep thinking about that when I Mm -hmm. read this text. You know, condemn you to eternal redemption. And um, I don't want to pre—I don't want to exegete that line. I just keep thinking yeah. about this text. There is this this harshness that runs through it, but it's about being saved and about redemption. And how do we work out the, that conflict of condemn eternal redemption that mm-hmm. seems to flow through here? Well, one of the things that's going on is a focus on the fact that our God is the God who comes, as I said earlier, and it comes to judge, but also to strengthen, and also to redeem. And therefore, our response is one of to repent, to expect, and to hope. And that's all mixed in together. You can't artificially separate it out and make it this period or our lives Mm -hmm. regularly one of unmitigated happiness and joy about oh it's going to be great it's going to be wonderful but there is this piece that says how do you hold faith in the midst of dire circumstances this is part of what this is saying this is not saying now here's how god's planned this to see whose faith was it life is full of dire circumstances there will be suffering the sun darkened you're going to have these hard times Harkening back to the exile, hearkening back to 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 Egypt and and the wilderness and and the Exodus and hearkening back to other times, then you will have these. How do you hold on to hope in dire circumstances? You trust there is a God who comes, who sends, who comes. The Son of Man will come, and He will come. And then the question becomes: Okay, so what do we do? While we wait, well, look at this. It says, um, well, first of all, in 27, just to say, Mm -hmm. he will come and gather his elect from the four winds. We have seen this recently in Hebrew scriptures based on the exile when he gathers into Jerusalem. This is an image that comes from that. And this is an image that says he's going to gather. God will gather all of us and we will be brought forth out of this. Right. And meanwhile, verse 34, this is the key for me. Mm -hmm. A man going on a journey, Christ who leaves, leaves home, puts his slaves or his servants in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to be on the watch. So the doorkeeper's doing whatever his or her job is. Everybody Mm -hmm. else is to stay away from the door. (laughs) And try to keep watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What is our being alert? What is our being awake? It says, oh, be awake, be alert, be awake. What? And he says here, don't, don't be asleep. What are you supposed to do? Do you work? What you've been given. What you've been given to do. Do you work? What is you know, the good works that you have been given to do, as Ephesians puts it? Mm-hmm. That's the intent of this text is to say, we will live through dire circumstances. Don't panic. Don't sit around trying to figure out when it'll be over. Don't look for an exit. Don't look for mm-hmm. a way to get out. But hold on. Do your work. Know God will come. And See. when God comes, be ready. Be at your business. Yeah. I'm going to tell you a personal story. I haven't shared with very many people, but it just came to me today. I want to share this because this is the theme of this day. 
I am coming up on 49 years of being married. December 29, 1974. I was 20 years old. Just a young buck. Uh, undergraduate. My wife was 19. Just about turned 20. We were short of our birthdays, turning uh, at least one year older. Mm-hmm. Getting married between semesters at UNC Chapel Hill. That's why we got married in late December. Uh, and my father was not a uh, sentimental man, not an expressive man, and not a man who spent a lot of time talking about things. He was a real mountain guy. And so when he said, son, come on down to the barn with me, that's where men went to talk, you know. Yeah. <laughs> come on down to the barn. So we're standing down there, did a few chores, and he said, you fixing to get married. And I'm like, oh, God, is he going to try to talk about sex? <laughs> Give me the talk. Oh, Lord. The man who spells it. <laughs> the man who can't refer. When, his mo- when yeah. my mother had had breast cancer and had a mastectomy, he couldn't say the word breast. What is yeah. this going to turn out to be like? Well, yeah. it wasn't that talk. He made yeah. an assumption that was accurate, that I didn't need that one. What he said was, you know, all, everybody's all excited about the wedding and the planning and the, and the, par- and the, the, the ceremony and the dresses and the clothes. Everybody's talking all this romantic stuff. And he said, that's fine. That, that's fine. He said, but I'm going to tell you something, son. Being married is hard work. And there's going to be a lot of very dark days. Difficult days. There have been for your mama and me, and there will be for you and Debbie. She was Debbie then. She's Debbie. Debbie. You and Debbie. It's not going to be easy. You're going to have tough times. There'll be times. He said, son, I know. There'll be times that you'll feel like you've made a big mistake and you and he said, I just want to tell you, I'm not telling you not to get into it because I couldn't talk you out of it. I want you in those darkest times, remember why you got married and remember that you'll be okay. Be a good husband. You do your work. Be kind and generous to your wife when you have children you take care of them and stay steady and it'll be okay well 49 years later there have been a lot Mm -hmm. of dark days difficult times been times quite honestly uh you know i wasn't sure that i hadn't made a mistake yeah Uh, not blaming my spouse person just you know it's it's hard it's hard and those daddy daddy down by the barn has come back to me and this is hard stuff, and you've got to stay steady, stay steadily doing what you promised to do. That's why you say these things. Remember, and Advent one, and particularly in the first few Sundays in Advent, is why we say this at this time of year. Why Advent exists the way it does. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. not just, oh, look, the baby's coming. Let's have a big party. Everybody gets mm-hmm. presents and let's celebrate. That's fun. Yeah. That's good stuff. Mm-hmm. But this season is about commitment to Christ, taking up the cross. Life in general is hard. We have multiple dire circumstances that come our way. And the question is, what is our work? Do we have faith and trust in the future? 
And do we stay stay at our work that we have been given, trusting God's presence, strengthening yep. us, as uh, Paul puts it, continuing to strengthen us and give us those gifts. Yeah, trusting that God will restore and renew, and God's power is sufficient. Yep. One of the questions that I think it behooves us to ask every time we approach a text like this, sometimes we we simply ask, where is God in this text? Yeah. But you know, reading here, where is gospel in, the- in this text? And I think uh, Daddy Down by the Barn, a.k.a. the gospel according to Lowell, Brother of Aunt Mildred, by the way, those of you that have read our volume, The Gospel According to Aunt Mildred, a lot of uh, um, wisdom in unique ways running through your family there, Delmer. That's it. I think that gets at it. What is gospel here today on this first Sunday in Advent in the midst of uh, apocalyptic texts from Trito, Isaiah, and et cetera, and et cetera? It comes down to this simple word. God can be trusted. Uh, God is faithful, Paul tells to the church. Uh, we, we've been given work. Um, you know, we, let, let's do that, and let's not get upset. Let's, let's bring a towel. Don't panic, for those of you who are Hitchhiker's Guides to the Galaxy fans, yeah. uh, and just keep at it. Yep. And yep. it's going to be okay. This yep. is the God who comes, and God will come. Yep. So. I like it. I think we're off to a good start. Hope you all are going to be having a, 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 some time to to think and pray and uh, prepare to bring these words in the midst of the busy season that pastors always have this time of the Bubba, I enjoyed it. We'll be back next time, second Sunday in Advent. Uh, but for today, I don't reckon there's much left for us to do other than to tell everybody bye. Everybody bye. Get off your bum, get off your seat. Lectionary Lab Live is a Two Babas and a Bible production. Our opening theme is Top of the Morning. That's performed by the Track Tribe. We go out today with the wake-up song from Silly School Education. Try to keep up if you can. Jump, 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 clap, clap. Like a dog, stand on your tiptoes, go for a job. It's time to wake up, wake up. Stand up, sit down, stand up, sit down, stick out your tongue and dance around. Show us your guns, I know that you got them. Bend your knees and wiggle your bottom. It's time to wake up, it's time to wake up. And go crazy, jump, 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 clap, 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 hop, 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 flap, 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 fly like a bird, bark like a dog, stand on your tiptoes, go for a jog. It's time to wake up, wake up. Jump, 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 clap, 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 hop, 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 flap, 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 fly like a bird, bark like a dog, stand on your tiptoes, go for a job. 
It's time to wake up, wake up. Jump, 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 clap, 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 cl